For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in the third and final hour here on Monday morning. And it is time to turn on the light as we do each week with Jack Spillane here from New Bedford Light. But before we do that, Jack, we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, during the break, the need for these vaccinations against things like measles. Yeah, I, I just would like to say that before the, before the invention of vaccinations, things like measles could lead to devastating consequences like children being, you know, damaged for life, you know, uh, uh, and not being able to function. So it wasn't just a, a small thing. You know, millions of people had polio and their lives were forever uh, devastated by that. And things like um, uh, TB, you know, were horrible deaths where you basically suffocate to death because you can't get any oxygen. So the reason that the life expectancy is much longer now and people are dying of cancer and heart disease is because all the people that used to die of infectious diseases don't die of infectious diseases. Do you get, um, do you build up immunity if you survive it? Yes, you do. But for the, for the millions of people that succumb to it, you know, it's, it's been a, a lifesaver and it has boosted life expectancy greatly. Like everybody used to have children in their family that didn't survive. And how did they not survive? They, survive, they, they succumb to pneumonia and infectious diseases of all sorts. And to turn your nose up and, at, at that and say, I'll be stronger if I survive. Well, what if you don't survive? What if one of your children doesn't survive or succumbs to a horrible life uh, that they have to live because of polio or measles or, or something like that? I, I just think people have gotten very glib about it. And, you, know, you know, oh, we don't really need all that. So just and wanted to say that. They weren't devising and, and um, <clears throat> requiring these vaccines for things that were easy to overcome. You know, like, okay, we have a, a vaccination against measles and mumps. We don't have a vaccination against chickenpox. Now, part of that is the nature of the virus, but also because you'll be okay if you get the chickenpox. It doesn't have the same side effects, but they do have to come out with a, a shingles virus, a shingles uh, 
vaccination so that you don't get that later on when it becomes more dangerous. Yeah, which so, I've gotten because I'm, I'm of the age where you get that. Um, yeah, it's it's just, uh, I mean, I, I just think of President Carter and his wife, Rosalind, uh, devoting all those years to the eradication of guinea worm, which was a devastating disease in West Africa that has almost been eradicated. And these diseases, you know, like measles and diphtheria and, and other diseases that have almost been eradicated and are now coming back because so many people are choosing not to vaccinate. And, you know, you're playing Russian roulette. You know, if you have, say you have five children, you know, and you say, oh, well, one of them is going to succumb to it, but the other four will survive. That's, that's a real survival of the fittest uh, uh, attitude. And I, I don't know if most people would take that with their own families. Like, you know, it's, it sort of reminds me of, of what's going on now with IVF uh, um, uh this uh, Alabama decision that that you can no longer have in vitro fertilization, where you know just just millions of people who have been infertile are taking advantage of that and are able to have uh, children, and it's the same uh, life begins at conception uh, uh, paradigm that allows people to be against abortion from the moment of conception and allow no abortion at all, you know, from the moment of, of, of fertilization. Um, you know, the process of IVF, if you don't understand it, is that they harvest, you know, lots and lots of eggs, and most of those eggs, fertilized eggs, are not used. And so those, you know, eggs are eventually destroyed. It, it's a cell to argue that it's any kind of life as we know it is... Is, is is I think really not common sense to most people and and I just think that that, that some of these things these arguments against and vaccinations against um, IVF you know even Trump came out in favor of IVF uh, recently although the Catholic Church is still adamantly against it uh, you know I respect anybody's religious beliefs but I, I just think most people that's not where they're at we do have a call here let's uh, let's take that <clears throat> good morning you're on with Jack Spillane hello Okay, Tim, this is Macho Man in the South. I'm going to have to call back. This is the wrong segment for me to call in. Yeah, you know what? Give me a call tomorrow. Okay, buddy. All right, talk to you then. I just, I I don't think Jack wants to talk any wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Did you you wake up early and watch uh, Elimination Chamber on Saturday? Probably not, right? No, no. Although I I do like college wrestling, you know, where where there's more realness to it. But but, um, professional wrestling, not so much. This is uh, this is not the same thing. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's get ready here to turn on the light with Jack. So, uh, of course, Jack, we we will be talking about your latest column at NewBedfordLight.org, which is about the need for uh, for school libraries and public schools. But before we get into all of that, uh, let's talk a little bit about Colin Hogan's reporting that kind of led up to your your column's kind of a companion piece to to his reporting. And he did a great job with a couple of different stories on this topic. Yes, uh, Colin just did a great job about the demise of libraries, not just in New Bedford, but Fairhaven High School doesn't have one. Uh, Dartmouth Elementary Schools no longer have them. Uh, it really is just uh, disappointing to see people. And I guess the argument is that everything is so expensive these days. And we have such great needs in other areas that everybody has a Chromebook or a computer. 
why do we need to have libraries? And I, 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 I just really want to compliment Colin on that story because uh, he unveiled the fact that, that, that so many local areas do not have libraries. Um, I was lucky enough, uh, Andrew O'Leary, uh, Superintendent O'Leary, gave me a, a tour uh, last week. I, um, the library is a little bit bigger than I thought it was at New Bedford High School, but it's not impressive in any way. Uh, you know, no signs of, of, of audiovisual or, or computers, because even though kids have Chromebooks or whatever they have, there's a lot of things that they can't access that they need a librarian's help to, to know how to navigate, to, 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 to look for. I just think that a library, they do have media centers, um, which I didn't see and I'd, I'd like to see, but I think particularly in urban school systems, and it's like everything else, um, when support for public education declines, it's worse in the, in the urban communities, in the minority-majority communities than it is in the suburbs. That's just the way it is. The suburbs have more money. Uh, so, you know, you have these private schools that have wonderful library. I, I, I wrote in my column a little bit about St. John's Prep, which is a, 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 an elite uh, prep school that my parents are scrimped and saved in order to send me to uh, uh, the wonderful library there and, and how important it was to me. I hung out at the library for a lot of my high school years. I, I got to know the librarians and the bookstore was another place where I, I hung out a lot. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, the purpose of libraries is not, I, I talked to Mr. O'Leary and he talked about, well, we put that money into literacy specialists now and the literacy specialists are needed for all these kids who don't speak English. I get that. I'm not against literary specialists. But I think that libraries are they're almost for an introduction to kids to the things that are not required reading. Mm -hmm. The things that, yes, it's the things you have to learn to be able to, to get a degree and function in life. But there's the things that are going to enrich your life and spur you to learn more because you're interested in them. And that's where you... Um, come into contact with them in libraries and whether it's through the computer or whether it's old-fashioned hard books which i still think there's nothing like them uh i uh i think libraries uh are not an extra and i i, I really am disappointed that that so many school systems are are viewing them that way well they're making the mistake of thinking that <clears throat> these younger generations don't want the physical media that they want to be able to access everything online. And while that is true, they want to be able to find it online if they can't find it somewhere else. Kids today, young kids, I have nieces and nephews that are, you know, middle school and younger. They love actual books. They love actually having a stack of books that they can bring home from school or, you know, a stack of books in their, in their room that they can read. And that's an important thing, especially because even as I was, I was talking about this morning, and this is such a dumb thing on the surface, but when you think about it, it made us stronger readers as a result of it. Every time we bought a book, we didn't know what the print size was going to be, what the page color was going to be, you know, how bright the the, the page tone was going to be. All of that stuff made our eyes stronger and, and made us better readers as a result of it instead of looking at the same screen all the time for everything. Yeah, and, and I, I just think it's, a, it's another feature to life and you're going to be introduced to things that you wouldn't encounter in class classrooms. And... Um, most teachers, and you know, maybe they're going to do a little bit of introduction to how to do research, but librarians are the ones who really know how to do that and are really going to set you on fire about that. Um, there's one librarian at New Bedford High School, a high school for 3,000 students. That, to me, is not acceptable. Uh, I got a great tour of the library. Mr. O'Leary always gives me a lot of time. I'm, I'm an admirer of his. 
I think he's off on a, a tangent here. They put a lot of money at New Bedford High School into extracurricular act, act, athletic activities in recent years, the pool, the band room, the auditorium, things like that. Where they haven't put money is the libraries, and it shows. And I, I just think, you know, I, I think um, a lot of people think, yeah, the libraries, they're just for the nerdy kids. Even if that was true. In a school of 3,000 students, you're going to have hundreds of nerdy kids. Like, you know, and they deserve it, something, it, too. It, it's just, uh, I, I just don't get it. it, it it's, it's an attitude that, you know, and I, and, and I also think that um, uh, this idea that, that if you have a computer, you have access to anything, that's not true. First of all, you have access to what you can afford financially, and you have an access as to what you know how to get to. And so I... I just think librarians are very important if I'm, for, for, for that. If I'm 15 years old and I want to read, I don't know, Catcher in the Rye. Maybe that's not the best example for some people, but let's just say that's the book that I want to read. Not that it's assigned, not that I have to read it for class, but I just want to read it. And if I don't have a library to go and get it from, well, okay, fine, I can go on my computer and get it. All right, well, now what do I do? I can maybe get it from a library, but for some reason, digital copies are limited in how many people can take those out, the same way a physical copy would in the regular library. And so now what's my next option? To try to get it from an online bookstore or to get it from an app store? And then I'm paying money for it, as opposed to a book that would have been in the school library that I can just go down there and check out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many aspects to this that, that, that you know, People who are saying you can get everything on the computer are just simplifying it in a way that is not accurate. And um, once you get rid of libraries, and I'll just point out that the affluent suburban districts, the private schools are not getting rid of their libraries. And if they did, they, they're bringing them back. It's the urban districts. It's the minority districts that are struggling with this the most. I, I was shocked to find out that Fairhaven High School has no library and that a, a school committee candidate who ran on that was defeated. It, it, it just is... Um, I, I just can't, I can't get my arms around that attitude. Like, you know, it's... In, in, in the New Bedford High Library, are they purchasing new books and, and adding new volumes in or... I, I don't know that. I'm going to spend some time with this, sort of like I did on the um, uh, Star Store uh, last fall. I, I think this is an issue that I, I really feel strongly about. And um, so I don't know that there are, I think that they probably are purchasing some it was not an overwhelming number of books that was in that library. Um, if you've ever been to New Bedford High School, there's the four wings of the four houses, the original four houses, and the library is sort of in that middle area. Now, Colin wrote that there at one time were six sub-libraries around the school, and that sounds good. Um, uh, Mr. O'Leary told me that a lot of the classrooms have their own libraries in them now. He supplied me with a photo of, a, of an elementary school with, with books in them. There's not... It's not the number of books that you would have in a um, uh, a library. I, I I I I really don't get it. Maybe I'm a dinosaur. Uh, maybe maybe the world has moved on from library. If the, if the world is moving on from from books, that's 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 something that I think we'll be back to. I, I remember I was talking about this this morning, but I remember my elementary school library from first grade through fourth grade, and um, it was huge. It was we had a, a school that had two wings, and then there was like a connection area in the middle. And that connection area on one side of it was the offices and the gym, and on the other side of it was all the library. That's how big the library was. And uh, I call it multi-level because it had a ramp that went up. It had like an extra level. And I would just spend so much time there thumbing through and finding things by accident. 
that I would love. And I found books about how to draw. And for the longest time, I wanted to be an artist because I found those books. I just realized I never really advanced and I didn't, didn't enjoy it anymore. But so much I learned from just going through that library and finding things on my own as opposed to in a classroom, here's the books that we're going to read this year or here's the books that we think that you want to read. And you're very limited in what that selection is and in competing with 30 other kids to get those books. Yeah, it, it seems like they've set up this dichotomy between uh, uh, literacy specialists and libraries, and we can't have both because it's too expensive. And I, I just really question that framing of the, um, the issue. I think like yourself and like myself, there are many kids that for library, it was not, I was already a good reader when I got to the library. I became a confident reader because I, a world opened up to me that I was not aware of. And it's the enrichment, the, as you say, the, um, the things that you come across accidentally while looking for something else that really uh, makes your life better and, 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 you know, makes you a stronger, well, more well-rounded person. I, I, I really don't get it. It was a difference between reading what I could read, which was whatever I had available to me, whatever somebody had bought for me or would allow me to buy, versus what I wanted to read, which was, you know, the whole library. Um, we do have a couple calls on hold. Hang on. I go, I'm going to take a quick break, just a quick two-minute break. And when we come back, we'll get in as many calls as we can before the news. And, of course, we've got the whole hour to take your calls with Jack. 508-996-0500. We'll be right back. All right. Let's take some calls here with Jack Spillane. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning. Great show. Thank you. When uh, I was growing up in the um, 60s, we went to private Catholic school, um, paid tuition for uh, parents for four of us. They didn't have a library. And they used to give you, assign you extra credit. And to, in order to get the 60 kids in the classroom, in order to get to the library to get your books and everything, you couldn't get there fast enough to get your books. So during recess, we'd run two doors down to my cousin's house and leave the list on the table for her older brothers and sisters to go to the library to get us the materials. And that's how we, um, we got, you know, and you got, you know, the parents, if the kids were doing very well, they got a little compensation off the tuition and stuff like that. But uh, that's how we survived. Yeah, we had excellent education, excellent. But the library makes all the difference for sure. So, so, so that that oh, was the you, that was the public library, ma'am. That 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 you yeah, were, in Marlboro, yeah. Marlboro, Mass. Yeah, yeah, public library. It was great because we were too little. You know, we're in second, third grade. We can't go, you know, traipsing around after school in the winter. It's too dark and scary. So, you know, they so, wouldn't let us. so in other words, what you're saying is that. You, you did that system because you didn't want somebody else to get to the limited number of the books that somebody else, there wouldn't be any left when you got there. Yeah, that's correct. Right. They, they would, okay. you know, the, but the nuns, they would assign, you know, the library would have like only five copies of whatever, give you like five different states to look into or something like that. Yeah. And that's, forget it. But we were not, but we were too little. We weren't allowed to rent to the library. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so so it was yeah. discouraging as an adult realizing that they had that big playground out there, um, space that they should have, you know, when they with, with all the tuition and sponsors and everything, they should have built a library for that for all those hundreds and hundreds of kids. 
Sure. Went to that school. Yeah, I, I I get it that that when when they're talking about kids have computers nowadays, they can get a lot of stuff that they couldn't get before. But I I just think we better be careful about getting rid of these libraries because there's some stuff that and some teaching from librarians that you're not going to be able to get. Yeah, but it, it. it's like how can it, it's inconceivable to me to not have a library? How can not every kid has a computer, a laptop, or this that or something else? And if you want to encourage the learning and reading and, you know, exploring, it's books. Yeah, no, absolutely. I got to just hold you there, but thank you for the call. You're welcome. Great show. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. And let's take one more call in here before we go to fill in the newsroom. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Anyway, when I was young, um, I remember in grammar school that we the bookmobile used to come by and I'd always go in and... Um, that uh, then in um, the other school, junior high, we'd have to go to the local libraries. There's Howland. There's um, I don't know if that's still open. There's the one up on the north end, across from the bank. I think that's still open. There's computers in there, yep. and it's not being utilized that much. Kids today don't really want. It. A lot of them don't care about stuff like that. When you, a lot of kids, when you get a teenage year. They don't. They just do what they have to do for homework, and that's it. Yep. You know, it's it's going to the dances, the proms, and they really they're not really interested. You get just a handful of of uh, kids that really want that. You know what I mean? And I don't feel like paying taxes any more than I do if it comes out of that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I guess I, I guess. buy my own books. I buy a lot. And another thing I wanted to know is um, these um donate books. Do you see them all around? Where are those books going to? Do you know? What do you What do you mean? I see bins donate books. More and more of them coming up all around the city. You You'll see them. It's yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I know that that there was that books to give was that that organization that I think that. Um, well, I guess he, actually Jim Stevens gifts to give, but but he did a lot of books mm -hmm. at one time that he gave out, and I and since I've been in New Bedford, there have been programs at Christmas time. I know Loretta Bork used to run one where she would give out books um, at Christmas time to kids. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I get it, Shawnee, that, that, that not everybody wants to pay taxes for, for, for fancy libraries and everything. But what I would say is, you know, we don't do this. We get rid of our libraries. Other countries are not. You know, I can tell yeah, you that we have, that they, we have a good getting... library downtown. Downtown is an excellent library. Okay, so I, good. so in preparing for this story, I went down to the downtown library and I went in to the reference section and there were eight computers there and all eight of them, this was mid-afternoon, all eight of them had a person at them. So that means... I know, but they can't stay all day. You have to put in. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it's 100,000 people in New Bedford and these eight computers were, were busy, so there's a need. Well, you know what? I don't agree. I don't, I don't feel like putting out any more and... When, like I said, so not everybody's interested in that. I know, I know kids. I, I was in school. I know what happens in um, school and, you know, when you start growing up. You're not really, you just do the homework and you do what you have to do. And after that, you really don't, some people really don't want to keep going. You know what I mean? Maybe you did. And I, I liked it. I liked learning and I wanted to, but it's not necessarily true. And right. it is. Technology is coming in and taking over. And even my son gets mad about all the books I have. And I don't want to let go of my nursing books. I don't know what I'm going to do now. 
because they're heavy and they're hard cover and I love them because there's so much information in them. And they say, oh, no, in fact, my nurse says, oh, the, uh, you don't need those now. She wants me to throw them out. She says everything is on, on uh, all different now, online. As long as you've got the space, hang on to them. i got to hold you there, though, because we got to go into the news, but thank you for the call. Thank you. And uh, I do have to take this news break here, but callers, hang on. We will get to you as soon as we come back and more with Jack. But right now, let's go into the newsroom with Phil. Now, the biggest stories on the South Coast from the WBSM Newsroom. This is WBSM News. Two congressmen are trying to get a bipartisan border security and foreign aid bill onto the House floor. Republican Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania and Democratic Congressman Jared Golden of Maine said on CBS's Face the Nation they believe their bill can get the necessary 218 votes in the House. They also stressed the urgency to provide aid to Ukraine after a city fell to Russia last week. Nikki Haley says she's still in it to win it, or at least to give GOP voters an option other than former President Trump. Haley lost to Trump in Saturday's South Carolina Republican primary, the state where she served as governor. Haley told supporters she's a woman of her word and will continue campaigning for the White House. The chairwoman of the Republican National Committee is stepping down. Michael Kastner reports. Ronna McDaniel announced that she'll give up the post next month after former President Donald Trump endorsed North Carolina GOP Chairman Michael Watley for the national job. McDaniel said serving as chair for seven years has been an honor and privilege. Trump told Fox News this month that some changes were likely at the RNC when he was questioned about McDaniel's performance. I'm Michael Kastner. Senator Tammy Duckworth is slamming the Alabama Supreme Court following its ruling that classified frozen embryos are children. Speaking on ABC's This Week, the Illinois Democrat also blasted Republicans who support the ruling. Duckworth said Republicans consider the, quote, rights of a fertilized egg to be more important than, quote, the rights of a woman. The Supreme Court will hear arguments today on whether states have the right to provide dictates to social media companies. GOP lawmakers in Florida and Texas argue that companies such as X and Facebook have been quick to tamp down conservative viewpoints. The companies say that the laws limiting how they operate violate their First Amendment right to free speech. AT&T is providing customers affected by Thursday's network outage a $5 credit. In a statement, the cell provider said customers will receive it within two billing cycles. AT&T says a software update is to blame. Are you ready for some free food? Heading into Super Bowl 58, Buffalo Wild Wings promised that if the game went into overtime, everyone gets free wings. As millions know, the game did in fact go into overtime and the Kansas City Chiefs emerged victorious with a final score of 25-22. to 22. That means that today from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. in local time zones, all dine-in and in-person takeout orders will be gifted one free order of wings per customer. And there's a ton of money up for grabs this week in both the Mega Millions and Powerball drawings. No one walked away with a grand prize in Friday's Mega Millions, so that jackpot now stands at $563 million ahead of the next chance to strike it rich on Tuesday. Time now for WBSM Sports, brought to you by Sparks Auto in Dartmouth. The Red Sox beat Minnesota in spring training Sunday 8-6. to They play the Philadelphia Phillies today at 1. The Boston Bruins play the Seattle Kraken tonight at 10. And the Celtics play the Philadelphia 76ers on Tuesday. Let's check your forecast now with ABC6. Cloudy skies out to start this work week with temperatures this morning in the mid to low 30s. Isolated sprinkle cannot be ruled out. As we head into the afternoon hours, gradual clearing is expected with values in the mid 40s. 
Overnight tonight, patch of fog will develop with clouds increasing once again in the low 30s. And we'll be dealing with some fog tomorrow first thing in the morning. Mostly cloudy skies will prevail. Mid-40s rain tomorrow night. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Cecil Del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM. This WBSM news update brought to you by Sparks Auto Dartmouth, home of the $29 oil change. Your choice for auto repairs, brakes, and inspection stickers. Sparks Auto, 425 State Road, Dartmouth. I'm Phil Devitt for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station WBSM. And get all of our content and breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. And we are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Let's go right back to the phones. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hello. Oh, Barbara, are you there? Oh, yes. Oh, hi, Tim. Hello. Sorry about that. No problem. Um, Oh, I love the conversation about libraries. I I just love libraries. I use the one in Wareham quite frequently. And um, I remember being in elementary school. There was a, a bookshelf that had about 30 or 35 books with orange um, um, orange covers. And I read just about everyone, Kit Carson and um, Florence Nightingale or, you know, all of those George Washington, um, um, and those were so exciting to me. And then when I was about 13, my cousin Natalie brought me to the Wareham Library, which was the old library, and introduced me to Zane Gray. Oh, my goodness. I just, I read every one and some I read twice. And it is heartbreaking, pardon me, to see how children don't, um, I don't know what it is. I haven't heard all of your conversation this morning, but um, it is true that kids don't uh, read to learn or, you know, do homework to really, really learn. Uh, Some of them do, but it's really sad. Um, I wish books were, I think in terms of history, teaching history from the standpoint of biographies and things like that would make it more interesting and i think it could help turn kids on to reading um i had that thought when i read diedrich bonhoeffer the diedrich bonhoeffer book i learned so much about uh, world war ii and all of that through this biography and i wish uh, more and more biographies were used um in the schools yeah. Uh, in order to teach um, history and so on. Yeah, I, I feel exactly like this caller did. You know, you know, the, you were introduced to, to to writers that you would, wouldn't have come across Zane Gray, whoever. Uh, uh, but it's a different world now, and I, I try to not be a dinosaur in the sense that that you know, even on the internet now, it used to be if you didn't know how to do something or you didn't understand something, you would Google it. And it would come back with a bunch of articles. Now it comes back with a bunch of videos. And the way this generation, the younger generations are learning and experiencing everything is if it's not on a video, they won't do it. And I guess maybe that's the way the world is going to be. That's part of it. Part of it is also Google's not making any money on the articles. They're making money on the videos. Ah, I so that that makes sense too. But but in any event, we're, we're moving toward this completely video culture and that may be inevitable but all i'm saying is i would take a step back because i think if we get rid of the libraries and if we just we just 
get rid of, I mean, you know, in, in newspapers are just as bad as anybody else. They, they throw out their old archives and things like that. But if we get rid of the libraries, other countries are not. I think we should really stop, think twice. What are we doing here? Because it, it doesn't make sense. And I think kids need to be able to read. They need to be strong readers. I mean, it's sort of like cursive writing. They got rid of cursive writing a while ago. Uh, and I guess online, you don't have to sign your signature anymore. But but it just it's just kind of frightening to old yeah. guys like me. <laughs> Well, thank you for the call, Barbara. You have a great day. You as well, Tim. God bless. Bye-bye. And I have a bunch of calls here lined up, but we have one spot open at 508-996-0500. I am going to take a break here in just a moment so we can make sure we get them all in. But um, I will say this. We're talking about biographies. When I was in sixth grade, we had biography day where you had to read a biography of a person and it had to be a person that people in the classroom could guess who you were. And then you came to school dressed up as that person. And again, sixth grade, 1990, you know that we had five kids that came as Larry Bird because they just read Drive. And, you know, we had like a lot of the athletes and things like that, um, presidents, things like that. And I went into the, into the uh, library. Now, I read a bunch of biographies already to that point about people I was interested in, Groucho Marx, John Lennon, things like that. But I found one on Burt Lahr, the guy who played the Cowardly Lion. And I... And I got that book and I decided that's what I was going to do as my project because I was like, you know, I could dress up as the Cowardly Lion. Well, my mom wouldn't make me that costume. So I dressed up as like how Burt Lahr would have looked as he was a school kid. But that biography gave me so much information about what life was like when my own grandfather was growing up that I then went and had conversations with him about it and had a whole new understanding of it that I never would have had if I hadn't read a biography of somebody that most people would say, why do you care about that guy's life? So yeah. makes yeah. all the difference. Yeah, nowadays uh, they just give you a documentary about Burt Lahr. And I'd watch that too, though. <laughs> yeah, but I think you can have both. I, I just, um, I know things are expensive, but I'm just nervous that we're moving too quickly to get rid of the libraries. All right, well, let's take a break, and we'll be back in just a few moments. And welcome back in. We are talking with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light is returning on the light. And, Jack, you guys have an, uh, an event coming up with the New Bedford Light. Yes, uh, on Wednesday at the New Bedford Art Museum in downtown on Pleasant Street, um, we are going to have a community conversation with uh, on rising sea levels. Um, if you're a follower of the New Bedford Light, you've read uh, uh, our investigative reporter Adam Goldstein's recent story on um, the rising sea levels in the seven towns, Wareham to Westport, that um, border Buzzers Bay around here. And it's very frightening. Um, you know, if you are... I'll just I'll be up front. I'm 70 years old, 70 plus years old. I'm not going to live to see the rising sea level that kids who are 20 years old, you know, young people who are 20 years old are going to. But if you live to to 2050, there's going to be a lot of areas of South Coast um, uh, that are underwater. And if you live to be to 2100, which people born today very well might, um, then there's going to be even more areas um, underwater. So. This uh, community conversation at 6 p.m. on Wednesday uh, uh, on Rising Sea and, and the coastal impacts locally. So this is not about far away. This is about what's going to happen with rising sea levels. And if you want to read those stories, just go to the New Bedford Light. We're always free, and he did a great job on these stories. And there's an interactive map for you to check out to see if, you know, where you live might be underwater by 2100. And just taking a look at this, you know, looking at Sconnicket Neck right here, it's talking about, you know, the whole 
midsection of, of Sconnecticut Neck would be below the tide line. Yes, yes. So which means you could have road flooding happening. Even if these homes are, are still around, some of them, and it looks like yeah. a lot of them wouldn't be, you know, you're dealing with uh, already a situation where you might not even be able to access that point. Almost see a situation where Sconnecticut Neck could become an island and uh, uh, parts of uh, Dartmouth also, uh, uh, large parts of it. Uh, look like they could be underwater. New Bedford is protected a little bit because of the hurricane barrier. If the hurricane barrier was there, most of downtown Fairhaven and New Bedford would be underwater. Just taking a quick look here to see uh, if we would make it. Um, eh, WBSM, we I don't know. We might be uh, we might be underwater uh, on the cusp. <laughs> <laughs> All right, check that out at newbedfordlight.org. Let's get back into the calls. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Pretty good. You know, uh, when they took cursive away, cursive writing away, I was, uh, I was one of the people that was radical, very opinionated about it. And I said, well, this is the domino that knocks down everything else. It's going to get the library eventually because uh, it just goes hand in glove. And um, the fact that so many people are not proficient now in reading or writing for their age, and as adults, they're unprepared. There's no interest, really, to read a book that's going to be a struggle, even if it's written simply, like John Steinbeck's one- and two-syllable words are a magnificent uh, piece of the work. Um, you know, uh, the Maltese Falcon and all these other uh, books, very simple. Uh, two-syllable two words, one-syllable words all the way through, and, and really, it's, you mentioned Thatcher and the Rye, and uh, I did a book report on it. And... Um, a school, uh, you know, the, uh, well, I don't agree with you. Well, okay, you don't agree with us. Have a discussion. No, we didn't. But uh, the thing is, is that um, I, the library is very central. It brings a lot of people together. And um, I, it's something that uh, you carry with you all your life. Now, I lived in an apartment for many years. And I dragged my hard copy, hard copy book with me everywhere I went from state to state, wherever my job travels took me. And, you know, because why you go through all that? It's like, you know, like I said, well, I'm the type of person who take my 500 pounds of uh, weightlifting equipment with me, too, and drag those, too. Because it represents something. Every book I look at, like that in the Rye, for instance, I probably read it 10, 12 times. That's over 100 hours invested in that book. Yeah. And, and something, well, because I'm looking for something, can't find it, I read it and read it over again. I'm looking for something, putting myself in the times in which it was written, etc. This expands your mind. It expands. You don't have to be right or wrong in your interpretation of a classic book or not. But the thing is, is that when it's not on the table, like you know, the cafeteria or a menu or something, that you have the option to walk, walk past it and never open that book. That's your option. That's your choice. But when the choices are taken away and you don't know what you don't know because you're only 20 years old, 25 years old, and you're stuck to the curriculum, you're pretty much a cookie cutter product of whatever your gender is hidden behind the society you're living in, the taxes that you pay. Sure. And yeah. I find it problematic that they'd actually take a brick and mortar, like the library, a destination point, to open your mind and just get away from the day's hassles and read something that's lightly, a magazine or something. Sure. Um, and um, I'm right on this. And he's been right on other things. I, I think he was against eliminating threats, if I'm not mistaken, because it, there's more to it than that. It, there's, there's a web, there's a web there, like a spider web. And it's so sad because you don't know what you don't know. And even now, as well read as I am, I still don't know what I don't that know. That is true. But I'm going to just hold you there because I, I, I got some other callers I want to get in, but thank you for the call. 
You have a great day. And uh, he always hangs up like the minute you say that. Uh, so I just want to make one quick point is uh, Nana in Rochester said on App Chat, you will need libraries when the grid is down. I mean, that's true. But yeah. also the other part of it too is how many times do you, are you somewhere where you want a book that you couldn't be utilizing a Chromebook or a laptop? You know, it's one thing if you have an e-reader, that's, that's you know, easy enough to bring with you or a tablet. But, you know, when you're on a bus, when you are, you know, in the back of the car as somebody else is driving, if you're on a plane, it's a lot easier to have a, a physical book in your hands than it is some of these a uh, electronic I versions. I to quickly point out one other thing <clears> we <throat> talked about off the air. If you've ever read a book and then seen the movie and the same thing or a television show and the same thing, you will realize that the the um, movie cannot capture all the detail and the nuance that a book can because it just has more room for, it takes more time to read a book. So, you know, a lot of times when you see a movie that you've read the book, you're dissatisfied because it just doesn't capture all the greatness of it. And so I think letting go of these things and, and having a whole generation that is not... Uh, comfortable with them and skilled at them. I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like progress. As, as a kid, there'd be movies that I wanted to see, but I wasn't always able to go to the movies, but I could usually get the book novelization. So it's like, it may not be that the movie was based on a book, but it could be that the book is just, a, you know, the adaptation of the movie. And I would always read those and you do. You would even in those, you would get more information than you do in the actual film that the that the book is based on. So uh, let's let's take another call here. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How's it going? Good. How you doing? Hey, Jack. Yeah, I agree with your sentiment over the libraries, but I must say that's never—that's not really progressive thinking of you now, is it? <laughs> I think I'm a little more complex than just a knee-jerk uh, progressive. But. <laughs> no, but I, I agree 100%. And uh, my concern with the libraries is not everything you read on the Internet is correct. Um, and, you know, my concern is over uh, people censoring certain things and only putting things out there on the Internet that they want you to read rather than the information that you should be reading. And one example of that is when we started doing the windmills, I started doing some uh, well, when we started to do when New Bedford started looking at the windmills, I started doing some research. And, you know, I was doing a lot of online research in terms of like what's going on overseas, because I know that um, in Denmark, so on and so forth, they started with the windmill. And what I found was a lot of skewed information. When you go to the library and you actually do research, you get facts, you get, uh, you know, a bunch of research across the board, a bunch of different opinions and things of that nature. Whereas when you go on the Internet, it seems to be, you know, kind of one mode of thought. So that's yes, just and, my and, and let's just point out that the Internet is easier for a government to control than lots of libraries. If you go to China, there's all kind, you can't get all kinds of things on the Internet. If you go to Russia, you can't get all kinds of things on the Internet that you can in America because they don't let you because it's easy for them to control that. Libraries are, you know, we have hundreds and hundreds, thousands of libraries. And, you know, librarians have been kind of subversive letting letting people read things that they're not supposed to read forever. So I, I think that, um, you know, just be careful because the Internet, you know, there are forces in the world that would find it in their interest to very easily control the Internet. And uh, not to only say the new versions of books as well and how different they are. You get a book uh, from, say, in the 60s and you read the new version and it's quite different as well. So you need to take that into account also. All right. Thank you for the call. You have a good day. Yep. 
And uh, callers, hang on. We're going to try and get you all in. But right now, I've got to take one final break. We'll be right back. All right. Let's squeeze in as many calls as we can here in the final four minutes. Good morning. You're next with Jack Spillane. Good morning, Jack. Uh, Tell me, uh, one of the biggest challenges of uh, high school was a research or term paper. How do they do research and term papers now and develop a bibliography and do footnoting if they don't have access to a library? Uh, Can you explain that? Do you remember the old... um uh, process for footnotes. They had to be done in a certain way, like the oh, last, yeah. last name first, all that stuff, yeah. title. I can't imagine anybody's doing that nowadays. I the, preferred parenthetical you know, documentation. You know, and the page number that you were quoting and everything. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. It, it, it forced you to, uh, you know, to, to substantiate your research, that sort yeah. of stuff. So I you're think, telling me English classes and, and history classes don't do that anymore. Well, I can tell you how they're probably doing it is they're using Wikipedia and then they're getting the sources from Wikipedia because Wikipedia footnotes the sources. Yeah. And, and also they're using a link instead of a footnote um i i don't know I, I i just think it's worrisome and i think that we're rushing i understand that the dollars are short and we have um a large uh english as a second language population in new bedford that needs literacy specialists and uh, superintendent o'leary and it's not just new bedford again fairhaven high school does not have a library uh uh I, I just well, Fairhaven always has the best for the least amount of money, but that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's just Fairhaven. You know, it's not Great Haven, it's Fairhaven. <laughs> good one, Joe. Okay. All right. Thank you for the call. You have a good day. Yep. All right. Let's see. We got two minutes left. Let's squeeze in this last call. Good morning. You're next with Jack Spillane. Good morning. I just turned it on, so I just heard they wanted to close the library. Whose idea was that? Well, I, I don't think that they're, they're wanting to close the libraries. They've closed a lot of libraries in schools is what we're talking about. Oh, and, I see. And um, so schools that used to have libraries, the argument goes that kids have computers now or there's more of a need for reading yeah, specialists. Yeah, But, you know, libraries are very important. Very yes. important. Absolutely. They, they, they should not close them. We use them to go vote at. We use them for meetings. Well, and especially in school, that's how kids learn to read is through their that's school right. library. You know, reading you, reading you, for fun, not just reading because they have to. That's right. Yeah, we're, so, ta- we're, okay. we're talking about... as long about, as they're not going to close hours. You know, no, we're talking about school libraries here, but I, I have noticed, it seems to me, that libraries, the public libraries, are not as well-staffed as they once were, but that could be just my impression. No, that, that's your impression, but libraries, you need to keep the libraries. They're our history. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you for the call. Thank you. And uh, one more time, Jack, just in the final moment that we have, let everybody know again about that event coming up with the, with the light. So uh, rising sea levels, you know, it's a community conversation. It'll be at the New Bedford Art Museum this Wednesday at 6 p.m. It'll be uh, discussing some of the issues raised about what areas of the South Coast could be underwater if the current trend in climate change with rising temperatures continues. And if the library...